pick number three, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> number three. All right, episode number three. Welcome. <laughs> Alrighty. Hey, thanks for joining us. I am Rachel. And I'm Grace. Welcome to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I just hit a lamp. It's fine. It's good. It's good. It's cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, so uh, that ties in really well with uh, what our podcast is called. Lamps? Myths. (laughs) Oh, gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) No, we are uh, Myths and Misfortunes. Yeah, we are a paranormal and true crime podcast. And each week we pick somewhere in the world and base our stories on that place. And or surrounding areas. So this week we are focusing on Romania. Yes. We tried looking at like certain towns to try to do one together, but this is one of the surrounding areas things. Kind of. I mean, it's in Romania. Kind of, yeah. It's, it's like all Romania. I think we did pick a town, but we couldn't find any history and or true crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So I did the history for this one. Anything you want to talk about beforehand, before we get into it? Mm, just how cute Crystal's little yawn was. You just missed it. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cute and so sweet. You're so pretty. And You're I pretty love her. Cute. I love her so much. Uh, no. I miss my cats. <laughs> <laughs> You've been here for five hours. Look. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with missing your cats, okay? Look, I've been here for five hours, but that's like 20 years for cats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just love them. Anyway. Okay, we'll get up here. Come on. All right, Romania. No, hold on. Romania, home of vampires. Romania. Romania. I can't curl my tongue like you can. Curl (laughs) Roll Roll your R's? I can't, no. Okay. Alright, I did the history for this one. Yes, you did. I'm excited to learn about Romania. I got most of this from Wikipedia and (laughs) localhistories.org. Wikipedia, every student's favorite website. Yeah, basically. We're not even students, but okay. (laughs) During the early 19th century, Turkey dominated Wallachia and Moldova. Wait, hold up. Wallachia? Wallachia, okay. Wallachia? I think it's Wallachia. Wallachia. I wanted to to make sure I heard right. Wallachia? I googled it, and I'm pretty sure that's what it was, but (laughs) if not, let us know. I'm sure we have plenty of mistakes in here. So It will happen a lot. Turkey dominated Wallachia and Moldova. However, Turkish power was weakening, and in 1959, the two principalities were united under a single prince, Alexander Kuza. 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 In 1862, the new state was named Romania. Finally, in 1877, Romania declared its independence from Turkey. 
Go Romania. Go for them. Go for them. Go for them. <laughs> Good job. Yes, go for them. Good for them. Koozie. Uh, Koozie. <laughs> so, it's a little beer koozie. It's a damn mess. The Kuza carried out reforms in Romania, including abolishing serfdom. Mm. Good, good. Very good. However, he was unpopular with the conservatives, and in 1866, he was overthrown. Well, of course he was unpopular with the conservatives. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. Hot topic, hot topic. Uh, Prince Carol replaced him. Prince Carol? Yes. Christmas Carol? Uh, No. Okay. What? You said Prince Carol, so that's where my my mind went, was Christmas Carol. Christmas. Okay. You think of... Okay. Carol? Like caroling. Uh, sure, sure. In 1881, Romania became a kingdom with Carol as its first king. In 1916, Romania joined Britain, France, and Russia against Germany and Austria-Hungary. In 1918, Romania took Transylvania from Hungary. Bessarabia, which was taken by the Russians in 1812, became part of Romania again. And as a result, Romania increased greatly in size, and its population increased from about 7.5 million to 12 million. Wow. A lot of people. Yeah. In 1920, the Western powers recognized the changes by the Treaty of Trianon? Trianon? I don't know. How's it spelled? Trianon. T-R-I-A-N-O-N. Trianon. So Trianon. (laughs) I want to say Trianon, because it sounds like Rhiannon. 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 Like Stevie Nicks? Okay. In 1927, the right wing legion of the Archangel Michael. Yes! Uh, no. no. <laughs> Better known as the Iron Guard was formed in Romania. The 1930s were an era of political instability in Romania with many different governments. And finally, in 1938, the king banned political parties and introduced a royal dictatorship in Romania. Royal dictatorship. Oh, boy. Chill. Fun! Um, In 1940, Stalin forced Romania to surrender the eastern province of Bessarabia to Russia, and Hitler forced the Romanians to give northern Transylvania to Hungary and to give other territories to Bulgaria. As a result of giving away so much territory, King Carol became very unpopular, and he was forced to abdicate in favor of his son, Michael. However, Michael had little power. Marshal Ion Ion Antonescu made himself a fascist dictator of Romania. In June of 1941, under Antonescu, Romania joined the German invasion of Russia, partly to regain Bessarabia. During the Second World War, Jewish and Romani people from Romania were reported and... reported. (laughs) Deported and murdered. Oh. Yeah. Shitty. However, from 1943, Germany was losing the war. Finally, on the 23rd of August, 1944, Antonescu was removed in a coup. Romania then changed sides and declared war on Germany. By the end of October 1944, Germans and Hungarians were driven out of Transylvania, which became (coughs) part of Romania again. Yay! Yay! However, after the war, Russian troops were stationed in Romania, which made a communist takeover pretty much inevitable. Mm -hmm. So the Russians took Bessarabia again. Frickin' Russians. Darn. Um, In November of 1946, elections were held in Romania, and the left-wing parties did well. The communists took key posts, and in December of 1947, the king was forced to abdicate. 
In February of 1948, other left-wing parties merged with the Communist Party, and a totalitarian regime was introduced in Romania. Meanwhile, Antonescu was shot as a war criminal in 1946. Oh, that's, that's lovely. Thousands of other Romanians met the same fate. Russian troops withdrew from Romania in 1958, and after 1960, Romania adopted an independent foreign policy. In 1965, Nicolae Ceausescu became ruler of Romania. Although Ceausescu had an independent foreign policy, he ruled Romania with an iron fist. He was determined to increase heavy industry in Romania, but ordinary people suffered abject poverty. They also suffered terrible repression. The communist regime in Romania suddenly collapsed in 1989. In December, demonstrations took place in, should have looked this up, Timisoara. Timisoara. Suara? Soara. Suara. Sure. On December 21st, (laughs) Ceausescu was booed by a crowd in Bucharest and demonstrations followed. On the next day, Ceausescu appeared on the balcony of the Central Committee building, but was forced to escape by helicopter. His fellow communists deserted him, and he was arrested. He and his wife were shot on the 25th of December in 1989. Romania then faced a difficult transition from communism to democracy and a market economy. A body called the National Salvation Front took control, and in May 1990, it won elections. It won further elections in 1992. However, in 1996, Emil Constantinescu, head of the right-wing Democratic Convention of Romania, won presidential elections, and he was replaced by Ion Iliescu in 2000. Romania joined NATO in 2004, and they also joined the European Union, Union in 2007. Romania suffered badly during the recession of 2009. However, Romania has recovered from 2011. Today, the economy is growing steadily, and the population is to 21.5 million. Holy crap. Yep. That. But that's like a whole country. I know, but go Romania. I know. I mean, they're doing better. I don't, that's about as far as the history I found went, so things might have changed. This is true. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. All right. So that was the history. That was a very politically charged. Charged. History. Yeah. Yeah. Like, thank you for giving me the charge, because I'm sitting here like, oh my gosh, so much politics. (laughs) Yeah. It was a wild ride, going back and forth on different things, and yeah. Well, good. That was actually so informative. (laughs) So informative. (laughs) This is the second time uh, where she said something along the lines of, oh, thanks so much, or that I really enjoyed that, or something (laughs) like that. I'm like, that sounds so... Just, mm. That's, What's the mm. word that I used? I don't remember. Uh, you don't like it when I say that it's so informative? Condescending. No, I don't yeah. mean to be condescending. No, 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 you're not. You're not. It just it sounds <laughs> like it. Okay, in a non-condescending way, that was so informative. <laughs> I try really hard. And I you did fantastic. Paste. Huh? I copy and paste. You <laughs> copy and pasted. Yeah. I reworked and deleted a lot. That's good. That, yeah, no, that. 
that was very politically charged. So that just, that was a whirlwind of information. I feel like I said it all yeah. really fast. So if you didn't understand any of it, uh, it's not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That's okay. Please be advised that this episode may contain mentions of multiple forms of sexual assault that may be triggering for some listeners. So if that pertains to you, we advise that you skip ahead 20 to 30 minutes to the next story. Okay, so. Paranormal first? Or um, true crime? I think par- Is yours funny at all? No. Ah, uh, shit. Mine it's either. not- it's not funny, but it's also not sad, so... Oh, mine's pretty fucked up, so maybe I should go first. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Do, do the fucked up ones <laughs> first. So, my story is the true crime one. So, I'm doing Eon Romaru, a.k.a. the Vampire of Bucharest. Vampire. Yes. So, was he, like... I sound really loud. Was he... Drinking blood. Turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah, just a bit. But I sound so loud. You're not. Okay. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay. So was he like drinking blood or? Uh, we'll get into it. Eating or was he eating people, which is equally as creepy. We'll get into it. (laughs) Okay, get into it. All right. So before I start, my sources were Murderpedia, good old Murderpedia, regular Wikipedia. (laughs) Uh, story, historicmysteries.com and uh, the book Serial Killer Case Files by Robert Keller. Ooh. Yes. I didn't read the whole book. I just got what I needed. <laughs> so sorry, Robert Keller. I'm sure it was great. Alright. So we're gonna uh, jump right in. Jump, jump in. Uh, it's rough right away. Okay. Pretty much. Okay. Um, so the city of Bucharest became plagued by a series of extremely violent crimes seemingly directed at restaurant restaurant waitresses in April of 1970. Um, the assailant would strike in the early morning hours using a hammer, an axe, or an iron bar to attack women as they returned home from work. Mm. Yeah. He seemed to prefer to attacking during heavy snowfalls, dense falls, and rainstorms. The first attack occurred early April 9th, 1970. Elena Opria was walking home alone after finishing her shift at a restaurant where she waited tables when she was bludgeoned to death, and the attacker fled when a neighbor turned on a light to investigate the noise. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it, I'm telling you, it gets worse. Mm. June 2nd, Florica Marcu was attacked. She was knocked unconscious before she was carried to Svanta Veneri Cemetery, where she was raped, stabbed, and her attacker sucked blood from the wounds and left her for dead. Yeah. 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 Raped, attacked, sucked blood from the wounds. And left for dead. And left for dead. Fortunately, she survived. Okay, well that's good. Um... A trucker, uh, a truck driver found her and was able to get her help, so she did survive. Okay. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> between 1970 and February 1971, three more assaults occurred in which the victims were bludgeoned, raped, and robbed. All of them survived, though, if that's worth anything. I mean, that they survived is yeah. better than most. Yeah. On the morning of March 5th, uh, F- Fancia... 
I'm not sure how to say these names for real. I'm just guessing to the best of my knowledge. Okay. Fancia Ely was found raped and hacked to death. Mm. A month later, the attacker carried out the most brutal murder up to that point. Georgita Popa was on her way home when she was attacked on April 9th. She was stabbed 48 times in the head, chest, groin, and the legs. What the? It's awful. She had also been kicked, stomped, and beaten so severely that her rib cage was caved in. Okay, so this just sounds like a crime of passion with how much Um, it was... I mean, the stabbing that many times and the kicking in of the ribs... Either that or some major anger issues. Oh, it's rough. It's really, really rough. Worst of all, the killer left bite marks on her genitalia. Ah! Why would you even... I told you, this guy's fucked up. At this point, the entire city of Bucharest was in fear. Women were straight up refusing to go out at night unaccompanied, and the police were finally spurred into action. Well, I don't blame the women. Yeah. Uh, they launched a massive operation in an attempt to apprehend the murderer. This operation was dubbed Operation Vulture. Vulture. Yeah. They couldn't come up with a better name than That's that? That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't understand why it was Vulture, but... And not Vampire? Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I would have called it Operation Vampire. Uh, if he's biting people and drinking their blood? Yeah. Maybe they didn't want to get all funny with it. <laughs> Uh, involved over 6,000 law enforcement officers and even cab drivers, bar staff, late-night bus and tram operators, and medical personnel. Even though this was going, all of this was going on, officially, there was no serial killer on the streets of Bucharest. Oh, officially. there's Officially. Yeah, never anything officially. Yeah. Seeing as it was a communist state, the authorities refused to acknowledge that someone so fucked up could even exist in what they wanted people to think of as a worker's paradise. So I think back during the history when it said, like, um, industrial... Industries were... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what it was. They wanted it to be, like, a place where people could go, like a hub, Mm -hmm. um, where you could find jobs. Okay. So, um... Because there was basically no information being shared to the public, extremely exaggerated stories about the vampire of Bucharest began circulating, with many people believing it was an actual vampire. Well. Yeah. Um, okay. On May 5th, uh, Mihaela Ursu, Ursu was bludgeoned to death with an iron bar. The attacker attempted to rape the corpse, but was Ew. interrupted and fled. Okay, well, at least he was interrupted. So, this is where it gets, like, a weird similarity to um, Jack the Ripper. Mm -hmm. The attacker then turned around and attacked Maria Iordash just two hours after killing Mihaela Ursu. Oh, my God. So, like, you know that one night where uh, where Jack the Ripper supposedly, like, tried killing someone and Mm -hmm. then couldn't, like, finish whatever he was supposed to be doing, and then he turned around and killed somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. So, this did all sorts of messed up. Yeah. Luckily, the attacker dropped the iron bar he was beating uh, her with, and she ran away when he went to retrieve it. Just two days later, uh, two more women were attacked on the same night. Both women survived. I think these two were actually attacked together. Hmm. Yeah. 
So, um, at this point, police had found two clues to help them find whoever was behind the attacks. A doctor's prescription was found under the body of Mahela Ursu, and hair fiber was clenched in her hand, presumably the killer's. The note was wet and smeared with blood, but investigators could still make out the letterhead from Bucharest Students Hospital. Students Hospital? Yeah. I think it was like a, um, hospital for students. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Is So is this like a student of a college, or? Well, well, you'll see. Okay. Uh, when questioning doctors at the hospital, it was discovered that the note was issued by Dr. Octavian Ines. I don't know. I'm not good at pronunciation. You know this. I don't Mm -hmm. know why I try. He had written 83 such prescriptions since March, and out of those 83, only 15 of them hadn't been filled. So it was down to those, like, 15 15. Each of the 15 students were immediately placed under surveillance and questioned in order to eliminate them. And on May 25th, the officers went to interview one of the students and discovered that he wasn't home. So they went ahead and searched his dorm. During the search, they uncovered a bloody axe and a knife. Oh. Yeah. They found and tracked down the student and arrested him the same day. And his name was Ian Romaru. All right. So Ian Romaru was born in Corabia, Romania on October 12th, 1946. And he was the oldest of three sons. His father was a tram driver and an absolute piece of shit. Uh, That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great. He regularly beat his wife and children, and eventually he separated from his wife, and he moved to Bucharest, leaving his family behind. Uh, Ion grew up to be a diligent boy who received decent grades, although he was forced to repeat the ninth grade, but his teachers noted that he was an obedient student, For whatever that's worth. Okay. So he was involved in a scandal when he was in high school. When he was a high school senior, um, which he was found to be having a sexual relationship with a girl who was a minor. Oh, that's that's a bad scandal. The girl that he was having a sexual relationship turned out to be one of his teacher's underage daughter. Oh. Yeah. Oh. He was also. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't know if it's worse. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's, it's still, still awful really bad, way. but I mean, also, your teacher's daughter. Yeah. Like, your teacher is going to easily fail you because of that. I don't know. Because I, you found out, or because they found out. I guess, yeah. I just, I don't know if he did it because of that, or just because he's fucking psycho. Psycho. Yeah. Like he was also convicted of aggravated, aggravated assault at the age of 18. There wasn't really any... Information on that. But despite all of this, he got perfect. Con- he got a perfect conduct grade in school. Well, good for him. Good for, for him, having right? you perfect know? conduct, even though he has an aggravated assault in sexual right. relations with a minor. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and whatever. But mm. you know, good conduct for a felon. So after he graduated, Romaru was accepted to Bucharest University Faculty of Veterinary Medicine. His performance wasn't that great and he had to repeat years two and three so i wonder what changed well he also did have to repeat the ninth grade so i guess nothing that's true but also (laughs) but also turns out um all right so once his once he was arrested his roommates were questioned and they noted how he how they'd begun to notice his obsession with sex 
and habit of self-mutilation. Self-mutilation? Yes. What um, would he do? I don't know. He hurt himself in some way. Anyway, they made it a point to avoid him at all costs. According to one other student, Romaru opted to patrol the dormitory outside of a girl's room one night rather than get some sleep. That's creepy. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, On top of these bizarre behaviors, a year after entering the university, doctors diagnosed Eon with esophageal spasms, uh, reactive nervous syndrome, and other mental problems. Oh. Yeah. So, under arrest, Romaru refused to talk and sat staring at a blank wall. Hmm. Just just staring at the blank wall. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they didn't really need a confession, though, because forensic tests done on the bite marks left on the victims linked them conclusively to Romaru. But still, when he didn't talk, police placed an undercover officer in his, in his cell posed as a thief and managed to get a confession for over 20 violent crimes after two months. When he went on trial in September 1971, he revealed his methods. He would often find women walking alone at night, follow them for several nights, memorizing their route, and on a night when the weather was poor, he would strike. He punctured his victim's flesh in order to drink their blood, (coughs) allegedly indulged in cannibalism by ripping flesh from the breasts and vaginas of his victims. (coughs) He was also a necrophile who raped the corpses. Yeah, I told you this one was dead. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. This kid is disgusting. Yes, um, the official tally for his vic- for his crimes are four murders, six attempted murders, five rapes, one attempted rape, one robbery, and three thefts. Yeah. <laughs> I like how it's all of that, and then robbery and theft. Yeah. At first, he tried to convince authorities that he wasn't responsible on the grounds of insanity. He claimed he didn't realize that the woman would suffer or die, and when the judge declared that he wasn't impaired by mental illness, he refused to speak during the rest of the trial and recanted his confession. Like, he wouldn't even talk to his lawyer. So, he was eventually found guilty on four counts of murder and was sentenced to execution by a firing squad. Holy, okay. This motherfucker tried to appeal and was straight up denied. Well, I mean, he should have been denied, but... On October 23rd, 1971, remember that date? October 23rd, 1971. Romaru was driven to Jalavia Prison. I don't... Jalava. Jalava? Jalava Prison in order to be executed, and he fought so vigorously while being tied to the stake that it was ordered by the executioner that he be faced away from the firing squad. He even tried to bite off his own clothes. And he kept yelling, call my father so he can see what's happening to me. Make him come. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Sounds like a Draco Malfoy talk. Wait till my, my father hears about this. Father hears about this. Yeah, he said, call my father so he can see what's happening to me. Make him come. He's the only guilty one. Oh. So, yeah. He was, he died. And yeah. buried in an unmarked grave in Bucharest. Okay. So. So. Weirdly. October 23rd. Uh-huh. 1972. Two. Exactly a year later, Aeon's father, Floria Romaru, the abusive asshole, yeah. died after falling from a train. Although it's ex- it's uh, speculated that Romanian secret police actually had him killed. Mm. Yeah. Police had arrested him three times in connection with Aeon's crimes, but couldn't gather enough evidence to charge him with anything. They believe that his father egged him on. Re- oh. Yeah. Oh. 
Oh, wait. Just wait. When autopsied, his fingerprints linked him to a series of unsolved murders that occurred in Bucharest in the summer of 1944, two years after Eon was born. All of the crimes occurred during stormy weather. Oh, like father, like son. Yes. Okay, so they were all on the victim's ground floor apartments, and they had all been bashed in the head with a blunt object. Oh, um, Floria left behind fingerprints and shoe prints at the crime scenes, but the cases remain remained unsolved until his death. All right. Mm. So, <laughs> mm. yeah, I just thought it's so creepy how on the same types of nights mm-hmm. they both attacked. Yeah, and well, also they both beat people in with blunt objects. Well, he, I think the only person that he did, he normally carried around, like, a, um, an axe. Yeah. Or. I mean, still, one end of the axe is very blunt. (laughs) Yep, sometimes, yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah, unless it's, like, a double-edged axe. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, like, it's super weird that they, both murderers, they both killed on the same types of nights. It makes you wonder, like, if he was, like, coaching him, almost? Eh. I mean, they thought that he was egging him on, so right. I mean, he probably was. But they just didn't have any, like, conclusive evidence to support that so. claim. I guess so. I guess that would explain why they killed him. But, like, they didn't know about his murders back in until yeah, until he died. So I just, I don't know. Well, the moral of the story is he's better than his son was at not getting, not getting caught. caught. <laughs> so a psychologist, Dr. Tudorel Butoy, on that. Butoy? B-U-T-O-I. Butoy. <laughs> Butoy, yeah. Um, he viewed tapes of Romaro's interrogations several years after his execution, and in his opinion, Romaro's crimes were a form of compensation for the infer- inferiority complex he felt since he was a kid. He was relatively poor, a social misfit, and had dysfunctional relations with women. Um, at the time, Romaro was labeled a wolf man. And Butoy theorized that he suffered from a form of clinical lycanthropy. Oh. Um, As evidence, he cites his solitary, nocturnal prowling and stalking, the instinctual animalistic energy he drew from unusual weather conditions, and how he considered his victims as prey. Oh, oh, oh jeez. Yeah. Oh jeez. Okay. uh, That was the vampire of Bucharest. The vampire of Bucharest sounds a little bit like the werewolf of Bucharest. Yes. (laughs) But, yeah, I just thought that was... That's a fucked up one. That, no, I could just... Yeah. yeah. Fighting yeah. this sensitive... It's really weird because it actually really reminds me of Ted Bundy. That, how... Okay. Explain to me how so. So, with Ted Bundy's victims, um, there was one where... That was actually part of one of his trials where he had bitten the buttocks of one of his victims and left, like... Teeth Indents. imprints, yeah. indents, yeah, in the uh, butt and the butt. I just feel so bad <laughs> saying butt in the buttocks, and that's one of the things that they use to match him to the victim. Oh, okay. Just like they use the DNA from the bite marks in in Romario's victims to to match like, him. him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Now I see it. I yeah. completely forgot about the teeth. Indents. Yeah. I just it, that's really weird too. Plus the whole like necrophile thing. Yeah. yeah, that's creepy in and of itself, but... Except they had very different tactics. Like, yeah. Romario would stalk them and Ted Bundy would... Charm of, them. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think Romario really had the social prowess 
to I charm. Guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think he did either. So, obviously. Yeah, just, no. Yeah. Yeah, just certain parts of it just really reminded me of Ted Bundy, and I thought it was really creepy. Well, and I feel like a lot of serial killers that you, well, not, well, yeah, serial killers that you hear about will tend to have certain things in common, other than just killing. Right. Like, especially for the infinite, infamous, infamous ones like Ted Bundy. Right. My turn? Yep. Okay. Uh, I did my story on the Hoyabachu Forest. I've never heard of this. (laughs) That's okay. It is one of the most haunted forests in the world and is situated to the west of the city of (laughs) Cluj-Napaca. The, like, look of, like, I don't think that's right on your face while <laughs> saying it. It's because I forgot to look up how the Napoca is. I know it's Cluj. Cluj. Cluj Napoca. Paca. Anyway. Uh, it covers an area of three square kilometers and is a commonly used recreation area with bike trails and areas for sports such as paintball, airsoft, and archery. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's like, it's it's an actual park. It's not just, you know, a haunted forest. Hmm. The exact age for the Hoyabachu forest is unknown. The only credible guess is that it is roughly 55,000 years old. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It is home to the earliest Neolithic sediment to ever be discovered in Romania, and it was established sometime around 6500 BC. Wow. And was then unearthed between 1960 and 1994. That's when I was born. <laughs> the That's 94, when what? Not the other one. When I was born. Oh, yeah. 94. Me too. It is also often referred to as the Bermuda Triangle of Transylvania. Oh. And the locals are familiar with the strange energies that lie inside. Huh. I wonder, is there anything like about ley lines or anything about it? I don't know. I did not look that up. I did not think about that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking with, like, the Bermuda Triangle, I think, like, isn't there, like, ley lines involved with that or something? Yeah, there's something. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'll have to look into that. Because of fear, for a long time, the forest remained shrouded in mysteries to the locals. To be fair, this can be understood by just looking at the forest. Here, I'm going to pull up a picture for you. Okay. Okay, so that's the Hoyabachu Forest. Oh, it's creepy. It's pretty. Yes. I want to go there. The trees that make up the Hoyabachi forest bend towards the ground in a way that many find difficult to understand. It's like a... They grow in a... so weird. Twisted, sideways manner, sometimes bowing to the ground instead of rising up. Bowing. Bowing, yes. (laughs) I added a W. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes bowing to the ground instead of rising up. And sometimes with seven or eight trunks growing from one root system. Really? And, yeah, I've got a picture of that somewhere in here, too. It's weird. That picture, it looks like they're all, um, like, they're specifically, like, made to grow that way. Like, you know the, how newlyweds used to plant trees on either side of the sidewalk in front of their house and how they, like, intertwine it together once they get to be, like, a certain height? Yeah, funny enough, I was reading some, like, comments where all these people are, like, trying to disprove the fact that these are growing in a way that scientists really can't... They can't explain it. Can't, yeah, can't explain it. And a lot of people are coming in and being like, oh no, old farmers used to bend the trees so that they could have a place to rest. 
Well, and sure, just, but they, like... They wouldn't do it with so many of them. Right, that's, like, hundreds of trees. Like, you really think a farmer's going out there every day and, like... Yeah, like, no, I don't think anyone's doing that. Okay, I can't find a picture of the multi-trunk tree. It might multi- be a thing, like, if they used to do it, if it was, like, such a common practice that it might be, like, in, like, just part of how they grow now? Is that what they think? No, I think that they were saying that... That farmers go out there and do that every day. Yeah, that farmers go out there and do it so that, you know, it's not just weirdly growing. That, yeah, I can't find it. I have to show you the video. But a lot video. of those trees looked... Some of them looked pretty young. Oh, yeah, they are. No, a lot of them are very young. Um, Backtrack. Backtrack. That reminds me of the... Baby's got back me. Did you ever see that? God, I hated that. <laughs> uh, Jane Lynch. Um. Perfect woman. Okay, so I'm going to. I'm just going to go on and continue because I can't find that picture. In the northwestern part of the forest, you can find an area called the Poana Rotunda, which roughly translates to the Round Meadow. Mm. It is an almost perfectly circular opening oh, wow. where vegetation barely grows. Oh, yeah, it looks like somebody just... It looks like someone's just gone in and cleared out a circle. Yeah, like they yeah. just cut the grass. Yeah. But that's, like, in the middle of a huge forest, so... Oh, yeah. There is no logical reason why this is happening. The soil has been tested many times, and all of the tests come back normal. It is rumored that this clearing serves as either t- a portal to another dimension... Oh, great. ...a landing pad for flying saucers... <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Or the site of a peasant village that was all but wiped out in a massacre in the 13th century. Oh, shit. Uh, I guess that would kind of make sense. Yeah, I mean, if it's a clearing and then they just came in and, like... But also, why would... It would be overgrown, like, if it was... Yeah. The the UFO thing, I mean... Yeah, I mean, radiation. I mean, obviously, there's still, like, grass and stuff and, yeah. like, brush around the tree line, but, like, right smack in the center, there's there's nothing. Hmm. I keep losing my spot. Get that, get that. Get, that, get my get cursor, cursor out, there. I know. Pay attention to that cursor. <laughs> this is why I have bullet points instead. <laughs> uh, spiritualists believe that the forest is an interdimensional portal between the astral realm and our realm. One in which the souls of the dead remain stuck for 40 days. Uh, 40 days? 40 days. You know, 40 days, 40 nights. Going with the religion thing. Sure. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> it is a place of lore and legends. The first one is actually... Shit, that should have been our name. Lore and lore legends. Lore and legends. <laughs> no, that's basically the same thing. Yeah. Okay. The first one is where the forest actually gets his name. His uh, name? <laughs> its name. Are we gendering forests now, Rachel? <laughs> yes, God. we're just gonna gender this forest. You look so tired. I know, I'm really feeling tired right now. I need some coffee. Just pour some water on your head. I have headphones on, that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. The first one is where the forest gets its name. Hoyabachu roughly translates into the shepherd's forest. The story goes on to tell that a shepherd and his flock went into the forest in search of grazing plains. When he and his flock found the infamous round meadow, he and his sheep were never seen again. Chill. There are thousands of cases similar to this of people disappearing and not coming back. 
Another popular story is that of the disappearance of a five-year-old girl who went into the forest and got lost, only to show up five years later wearing the exact same outfit as if it were preserved in pristine condition. Did she age at all? Uh-uh. Huh. Uh, when asked about it, the girl couldn't remember where she had been or what happened to her. That always creeps me out so much when you hear about people, like, going missing and then they show up out of nowhere wearing the exact same thing. They haven't aged. They don't know what what's happened. That's so... That creeps me out. They even have those TV shows about that happening. Yeah. yeah or, like, uh, people coming back from the dead and yeah. being the exact same age that they were when they died or whatnot. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> Now, see, I actually, I loved that show. I need to remember what that's called. There's this one that's, like, set in Australia that I did watch for a little bit. I don't remember what it is, though. I think it was Australia. Might have been New Zealand. They probably won't like that. (laughs) They probably (laughs) really won't like that. (laughs) That you can't tell the difference between Australians and New Zealanders. I can tell the difference. I just don't remember what it was. It's been, like, years since I watched it. Oh, okay. Other people who vanished in similar conditions to the little girl also turned up later, but they weren't as lucky as the little girl to escape alive. It was determined that all of the recovered bodies of these people had died of suicide. Oh, so so it's a suicide forest. Not quite. Oh, okay. <laughs> the forest is not just known for missing persons, it is also known... Missing people. I wrote persons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm correcting your grammar. I'm an asshole. It's okay. Uh, okay, I will correct myself then. The forest is not just known for missing people. It is also known for a mass murder that took place during the Middle Ages. Hundreds of peasants were taken into the forest and slaughtered during the Middle Ages numerous oh. numerous times, not just once. My God. It is debated as to the actual reason for the murders, whether as an ancient form of population control. Oh. I know. Or as religious sacrifice. Sacrifice. <laughs> You know, it's really funny that we have a podcast, considering we're two people who can't fucking talk. I know. Uh, Okay, or as religious sacrifices. The activities have left their mark on the forest. In fact, many of the spirits seen or heard in the forest are assumed to be these murder victims. Oh. Fun fact. Uh Uh-oh. Vlad the Impaler was also said to have been beheaded here himself. What? Yeah. Oh, no. I don't know what I mean. Let the impaler Yeah, let's not. <laughs> the forest first gained its notoriety in 1953 when biologist Alexandru Sift began making many trips to the forest, mesmerized by all the urban legends. He then noticed that he was being followed by shadows. Nope. Whenever he tried to capture the shadows on film, he discovered that there were also strange objects and silhouettes that appeared out of nowhere. Absolutely not. These results attracted other scientists to the area that believed that the mystery object was somehow connected to the light and magnetism phenomena. Oh. I should have looked and seen what that was, but I did not. It wasn't until the 1960s that the Hoyabachu Forest came into international fame. On August 18, 1968, military technician Emil Bernia and a group of friends were spending Sunday in the Round Metal. Metal oh, nice, meadow. that place that's haunted that people go missing in. We're just going to spend a quick week in there. Oh, yeah, they just, you know, camping out, having fun. Actually, apparently, apparently a lot of people do. While gathering branches for a fire, he heard his friends calling for him to quickly come back and see something in the sky. Was it a UFO? When he arrived back in the meadow, 
he saw a round silver object moving slowly and not making a sound. What? He pulled out his camera and began taking pictures of it, at which point the object took off at a slightly angled direction and vanished. What? Yeah. What the fuck was that? I don't know. What was it? I don't know. It was like... I felt like something was crawling on me, and then it just was gone. You're haunted. It was a bug. Probably. It's fine. Welcome to the country. The pictures were taken by the National Press Agency and sent abroad, where they quickly gained ground in paranormal literature. Oh, they so were it's like a pretty well-known thing. Yeah. yeah. Let me show you the picture. They were studied by experts in research institutes from what? Europe to the United States. It looks like a bubble. All of whom declared the photos as authentic. To this day, people who enter the forest get inexplicable rashes or begin to feel lightheaded and ill. You know what it looks like? It kind of looks like um like a parachute, kind of. Like the top of it looks like a parachute, but it's round. Yeah. So. That's so weird. Not teardrop shaped like a parachute. People report hearing disembodied female voices, giggling, loud ambulance sound, clock ticks, exploding tires. I'm sorry, loud what sound? Loud ambulance sounds. Ambulance? Ambulance. Okay. Like when you're when you're outside of the forest, you can hear like traffic and stuff, but like inside the forest. Oh, so like deeper in people are hearing stuff like this? Yeah, deeper in when you assume you, you you'll only hear like Birds and birds stuff, and yeah. nature because I mean it's such a Huge big forest. forest. It kind of muffles out all the outside sounds, but you know then you're hearing female voices giggling, mm. random freaking ambulance. Okay, so back when I worked at H and M, yeah, I thought that the store was haunted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> because the first night that I closed by myself, like as the as the manager. I could hear children giggling. Oh, and, that's like, creepy. Car- it sounded like kind of like carnival, carnival music. And I was like, we're going to fucking die. <laughs> I was like, what is that? And then one of the sales associates came over and they were like, um, that's the little games right outside. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, whew. I just, it, the music in the store was so loud that I, I never, like, heard those games yeah. before. Like, they're like the little, like, rides. The ride like, trains games, yeah. and stuff like that. So I'd never heard them because the music was so loud. And then once the music was cut off and we were, like, cleaning at the store and stuff, I finally heard it. And I thought we were going to die. <laughs> That's horrible. So, yeah, I can imagine being in a forest and hearing, like, children laughing and stuff like that would be absolutely terrifying. Terrifying, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. People can often see orbs of light and apparitions. There are reports of electronic equipment losing power rather suddenly. Uh, and all of this happening with no reasonable explanation. People who accidentally cross so-called active areas, considered by some as doors to other world, end up with burn marks, scratches, excessive thirst, anxiety, and sometimes even blackout. I have half of those. No, I'm just kidding. <coughs> just the extreme thirst and anxiety. <laughs> oh, gosh. On one paranormal visit... An investigator was thrown to the ground by an unseen entity. Paranormal lover lovers. Paranormal lovers. <laughs> yeah. Not your garden variety <laughs> lovers. Get you some paranormal. Yeah. Lovers. Uh, paranormal lovers who took photographs of themselves in the Hoibachu noticed that when developed, their f- oh. <laughs> 
I know. I had to read it a few times, too. I thought you meant, like, oh, my God. I thought you meant, like, lovers, but they were, like, paranormal. I know. Not, like, people who who love paranormal. Okay. Yeah, no. People who love paranormal. People who love Uh, the paranormal. Jesus. When they took photographs of themselves in Hoibachi Forest, noticed that when the photos were developed, their faces were extremely distorted, showing each of them with multiple deformed heads. Oh, do you know about Dear David? Jesus Christ, don't even talk to me about Dear David. Like, oh my god, that's exactly what that reminds me of. That's terrifying. We'll discuss Dear David later. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Hoibachu Forest is known for being one of the most haunted forests in the world, as I said, coming close to the suicide forest in Japan. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, many people have witnessed eyes staring at them through the thicket. Uh, nope. They are often accompanied by hooded figures that will follow you through the forest. Uh Uh-uh. Others report being surrounded by a thick black fog that not even the brightest sunlight can pierce through. I got it. It's the forbidden forest. (laughs) Dementors. Dementors, yeah. We're gonna just roll up on some centaurs. They grow that way because it's, um... I don't second know. book, second book. No, first book, first book. The Whomping Willow? No, wait. No. <laughs> no, second book. No, first book. First book. <laughs> Jesus. When they're trying to, when they're on the way to get the Sorcerer's Stone, and they get caught in the, it's like a giant, like, vine. Plant, oh, like. the, um, something. Snatch? Snatch? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Um, I think I might be thinking of Alice in Wonderland with the Bandersnatch. <laughs> devil Snare. De- devil Snare. I was yeah, close. Yeah, the trees. It's just, it's just the Devil, devil snare. snare. Yes. That's why light... Oh, no, light can penetrate. Never, ignore, cut all of that. <laughs> okay. I just realized. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it is Dementors, though. Cause, Dementors. Because you need, like, Patronus. Okay, so investigative groups such as Ghost Adventures and Destination Truth have gone to these places. When Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventures... <laughs> that was fine. <laughs> I know. Um, when Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventures visited the forest, they got evidence almost immediately, of course. They pulled up to the edge of the forest on their ATVs and proceeded to walk in, at which point their cameras pick up the faint sounds of drums and ritual singing, which, not gonna lie, was really super creepy as I was watching it. Oh. I, I just can't never trust. You, yeah, you can't you can't trust Ghost Adventure sometimes. Later on, they also captured a red orb floating about six feet or so off the ground, oh. which the orbs are very common there. Okay. So that that one I do, yeah. Lights and orbs are frequently spotted floating in and around the forest. Green, red, orange, yellow, and white lights. Do the different ones like do different things like? Uh-uh. You think? Okay. No, but they are all commonly seen and will follow you through the forest. Oh. They can also blink into and out of existence. They have been studied by paranormal investigators using equipment such as infrared cameras and... Cameras? <laughs> cameras and thermal detectors. Oh. Did they see anything? Yeah, that's... that's uh, they can see on both infrared cameras and and the thermal detectors. Oh, they detectors. actually can see them. Yeah, they can okay. see them. That's why there's so much evidence of them. Oh. Poltergeist activity has also been reported in the forest. Cameras and bags have been violently flung into the underbrush by unseen forces. 
and people have been pushed around or thrown to the ground aggressively. Oh, so fun. Uh, Very fun. On Destination Truth, there was a moment in the circle clearing that uh, one of the tech guys, Evan, was thrown to the ground. Like, this is actually captured on video. He, it looked like he was physically picked up by something. He was pulled from, you know, sitting crisscross. Oh. He was pulled backwards and just, you know, launched onto the ground. What the fuck? And this poor guy, he just instantly went into shock. He said that it felt like wind blew down on him and it just attacked him. Oh, God. It, yeah, I mean, it looked really scary. After further inspection, they also found that after the attack, he had scratches that were covering him. Fucking rude. Yeah, and they originally thought that, you know, maybe it was because he was thrown in your right. grass and sticks and all that, but he was wearing, like, a long-sleeved, kind mm-hmm. of thickish jacket. And his shirt was fine. Yeah, and his shirt was fine. So something had to have gotten access to his skin and scratched him up. I don't like that. Yeah. But... On top of that, they also captured orbs and dancing lights between the trees, but when they went to chase it, it just literally just up and disappeared, yeah. It just I've changed my mind about wanting to go there. (laughs) (laughs) When the Destination Truth team got into the big circle clearing initially, their EMF detectors started going crazy when their original baseline throughout the entire forest was just super low, almost Mm -hmm. non-existent. Also, while in the clearing, their thermal imager lost power shortly after they were trying to chase one of the floating orbs they saw. Uh, and at one point, Josh Gates was doing an EVP session, and from base camp, his team members saw three lights that were hovering and dancing above his left shoulder. Oh, but he didn't see it? But he didn't see it. But you could, I mean, you could see it on the camera from where they were looking. Oh, so it wasn't just like... Like, they actually, like, have it on video? Yep, they have it on video, and I can show you all those videos later. Okay. It was just, I don't know, I kind of like the Hoibachu forest, because, I mean, there's just so much. That's I probably sh- Yeah, I probably should have done more research into, like, the UFOs and stuff, but, I mean, for, like, actual places to go and find the stuff and catch it on camera. Right. Like, I also watched a little uh, YouTube mini-series for this uh, channel called Amy's Crypt, and she and her, I don't know if it's, if it's a partner or what, but sh- sh- she and her team went into the forest, and they captured giggling and whispers. Ooh, no. <laughs> and they tried to stay the night, and I can't remember if they saw UFOs or not, but she kept seeing lights dancing up in the sky. Oh, and because it's dark, I mean, you can't really tell what's going on. Exactly. Ooh. So, super yeah. creepy. Super creepy. But, I mean, it just, it's a very haunted forest and paranormal all the way, not just ghosts. So, just, it's probably got, like, large amounts of energy that's just, like, drawing all this stuff to it. Yeah, so, and that ties in with the whole Bermuda Triangle of yeah. Transylvania. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I remember reading, even in the, in the circle, you can't really hear any animals. Oh, so it's, like, devoid of, like, yeah, life almost, other yeah. than... Yeah, pretty much. Grass. 
Yeah, so I think only a few times they've ca- captured, like, birds in there, but it not very often. Oh, actually, I did read another on Quora.com. One user asked if the Hoyabachu forest was actually haunted, and one of the answers on it was that this girl's mother went into the forest and she started hearing all these voices, and her mother heard her grandmother calling out to her saying come here come here come here Uh. yeah and when she got out of the forest and was already back home for the night and whatnot her daughter was trying to sleep and she woke up by her mother I don't remember if she was she walked outside or she jumped out a window or she was trying to open a window but she she just kept saying mom is calling me mom is calling me I have to go uh nope I don't know if it was something sarcastically she said so no the Hoibachu forest is not haunted <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that was a sarcastic no <laughs> uh that's really creepy that was one of the creepier ones I didn't initially put it in my notes mm-hmm Because I was like, "Mm, I don't know if this person will want me to put it on here. And if you don't, let us know and we'll cut it out later. (laughs) (laughs) Really, does not, I don't know. It just won't be there. It just, it just won't be there. But, yeah, way about you, Forest, And I never want to go there, ever. Yeah, at the beginning (laughs) I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Let's go. Fucking UFOs. You know, maybe the part outside. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll look at it. Yeah. We just won't go in it. No, but, yeah. Even if you hear your grandmother calling to you. That'd be terrifying. Yeah. All right. Thank you again. Uh, Thank you again. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And see you all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.